Freedom, man. That's what it's all about. You've got to groove on freedom, like the good book says. listening to what on earth is happening this show will discuss the topics of human consciousness mind control natural law the occult and all issues that affect the freedom of the people of earth what on earth is happening will endeavor to shine light upon the darkness of our world and to offer empowering solutions to the problems we face as humanity approaches its critical moment of choice. And now, here is your host, Mark Passio. Welcome, one and all. You are listening to What on Earth is Happening right here on the Revolution Broadcasting Network. I'm your host, Mark Passio. Today is Tuesday, September 7th, 2010. The show is live every Tuesday evening from 7 to 9 p.m. Check out my website at whatonearthishappening.com, and you can visit the Network's website at revolutionbroadcasting.com. Tonight, before we get started with the topic of discussion, which is going to be a continuation of the controlled opposition paradigm, a continuation of the mind control technique number six in our ongoing exploration of the methods of mind control. Controlled opposition, we're going to continue into that topic a little bit by discussing something that very few people really get into in any depth, and that is the New Age movement. This is definitely an example of controlled opposition in many cases. Not all, but in many it is. And we are going to discuss the New Age movement as an example of controlled opposition right here on What on Earth is Happening this evening. Uh, So before we get into that, I do have some event announcements that I'd like to uh, read. I have four event announcements uh, for events that are coming up in this area and online. The first is this Saturday, September 11, 2010, right here on the Re- Revolution Broadcasting Network, there's going to be an all-day marathon about 9-11 truth. The entire 9-11 truth movement, where it has been, what it has accomplished, where it is heading in the future. Uh, That's going to be right here on Revolution Broadcasting all day, an all-day marathon devoted to 9-11 Truth, right here Saturday, September 11th. I believe they're starting that in the morning. Uh, It's either 10 10 o'clock or 11 o'clock. I'm not quite sure, but it will be going all day this Saturday, September 11th. Be sure to tune in wherever you happen to be. So uh, a few event announcements coming uh, for events coming up in the Philadelphia area. 
a free documentary screening hosted by the great activist group Truth, Freedom, Prosperity right here in this area. September 20th from 7 to 9 p.m. This month they're screening 10 Rules for Dealing with Police. This is part of Truth, Freedom, Prosperity's ongoing documentary screening and discussion night. It happens the third Monday of every month at the Ethical Society Building. The Ethical Society Building is at 1906 South Rittenhouse Square right here in Philadelphia. The description of the movie for 10 Rules for Dealing with Police. Learn to flex your sovereignty with flexyourrights.org's latest film, 10 Rules for Dealing with Police. From the creators of the 2003 classic, Busted, The Citizen's Guide to Surviving Police Encounters, FlexYourRights.org has released its newest achievement, 10 Rules for Dealing with Police, a 40-minute docudrama which depicts innocent people dealing with heavy-handed police tactics used every day in the United States. This film is a powerful resource that provides proven survival strategies for dealing with racial profiling and police abuse. After watching 10 Rules for Dealing with Police, you'll be more, more confident and better prepared to handle every kind of police situation. Learn how to deal with traffic stops, street stops, and police at your door. Know your rights and maintain your cool. Avoid common police tricks and prevent humiliating searches. 10 Rules for Dealing with Police, free documentary screening and discussion at the Ethical Society in Philadelphia, September 20th. 2010 at 7 o'clock p.m. Be there sharp. Um, for more information on the activities of this group, please visit truthfreedomprosperity.org. Secondly, uh, I have been asked to speak at a Tesla Foundation and Tesla Inventors Club event that's coming up later this month. It's called Tesla Nights 2010. It is an educational fundraiser for the Tesla Science Foundation. Saturday, September 25th, 2010, 7 o'clock p.m. This event is all ages. A $5 donation at the door is requested. It will be taking place at the Rotunda on the campus of the University of Pennsylvania. That's at 414, I'm sorry, 4014 Walnut Street. 4014 Walnut Street, Philadelphia, PA, 19104. This will feature my lecture and presentation called Nikola Tesla, Free Energy and the Future of Humanity. Also, there will be a live Tesla coil demonstration and a musical act that will be announced shortly. The topics to be covered in my presentation titled Nikola Tesla, Free Energy and the Future of Humanity include who was Nikola Tesla and why should you care? What were his greatest accomplishments? What did he attempt to do in the service of humanity? And why were his most visionary innovations never implemented? How was his name erased from the place it truly deserves in world history? Are the world-changing technologies that Tesla wished to bring forward actively being suppressed by institutionalized power structures? How different would the world we live in today be had Tesla been able to implement his plan for a new energy paradigm? How can we make Tesla's dreams in the early 20th century come true in the early 21st? 
Please note that this will not be a technical presentation. I am not a scientist or electrical engineer. If you're expecting a highly technical lecture, you will be disappointed. My lecture will largely be about ethical considerations and questions like what path is humanity on as a result of our current worldwide energy paradigm? Why, why do we so crucially need the technology that Tesla pioneered now at this time in human history? And what kind of consciousness change will it take to make Tesla's vision come to fruition? That's what this lecture is largely about, and I'm honored to be part of this fundraiser event hosted by the Tesla Science Foundation. Tesla Nights 2010, Saturday, September 25th at 7 o'clock p.m., all ages, $5 donation at the door at the Rotunda, 44014 Walnut Street, Philadelphia, PA, 19104. If you're in the Philly area, come and check it out. And finally, the conference that I have been so busy in helping to organize and host with uh, the help of some other great organizers, people who are really helping out, I want to particularly thank Mike Melton, Shanona Ryder, Jay Parker, a lot of great individuals who are really uh, committed to making this event happen. Free Your Mind, a conference on consciousness, mind control, and the occult. A unique two-day conference scheduled for April 9th and 10th, 2011 in Philadelphia, featuring multiple speakers and diverse educational materials for the purpose of raising public awareness of the critically important topics of mass mind control techniques, covert and subversive influences upon consciousness and behavior, trauma-based and ritualized abuse, and the practical mental and emotional healing methodologies available for those affected by these devices. This is Saturday, April 9th, and Sunday, April 10th, 2011. From 10 a.m. to 8 p.m. both days, doors will be opening both days at 9 a.m. The location for this event is Ruba Hall, R-U-B-A, Ruba Hall, at 414 Green Street in Philadelphia, PA, 19123. The admission price only $20 per day per person, and the list of confirmed speakers thus far, Aaron McCollum, Alfred Weber, Andrew Bastiago, Farah Yordozu, Jay Parker, Larkin Rose, Laura Eisenhower, myself, Mark Passio, Michael Kelly, and Suzanne Taylor. A great list of speakers. For more information, and uh, info on the speakers for, lined up for this conference, please visit the conference website at www.freeyourmindconference.com. Freeyourmindconference.com, the big event coming up here in Philadelphia in April of 2011. That's all the event announcements I have for this evening. I'd like to give the call-in number for this show next. Feel free to call in at any time during this broadcast. There are no taboo topics here. The call-in number, 724-444-7444. Once again, the call-in number, 724-444-7444. The 
When you call in, you have to give the call ID number for this show. The call ID number for what on earth is happening is 83515. Once again, the call ID number for this show when you call in is 83515. All right. What we have been talking about in previous weeks and will continue to talk about for the next several weeks and uh, as a matter of fact, I'd like to quickly make a couple of announcements about some guests that I will be having on the show in the next few weeks. I have two guests lined up within this month. On September 21st, I will be bringing Neo back on the show. As you'll recall, in show number 17, Neo talked about being a victim of trauma-based mind control. This is a technique we have not discussed in depth yet on this show, except for Neo's show back on podcast number 17, but we will be getting into trauma-based mind control uh, later on in this show, particularly when we get into uh, deep levels of the occult. Now, Neo is going to be coming on on the 21st of this month, two weeks from tonight, to discuss the healing methods that he himself used and healing methods that are available to anyone to essentially reprogram oneself after one has been conditioned and programmed according to these very powerful and in-depth mind control techniques that are employed by occult organizations, secret society networks, uh, intelligence agencies, etc. If you are a victim of these techniques, uh, which we all are at some level, not this hard form of trauma-based mind control, but as we've been discussing over the last many weeks and will continue to discuss, mass mind control techniques are everywhere. There are multifaceted methodologies of of this form of mind control. We've been discussing them over the last many weeks. We have gotten into six so far. We will get into at least eight more. And this is not to say that these are the only techniques that are available when it comes to mass mind control, but they are, are among the most widely used. Therefore, that is why I am covering them in such detail. And it is critically important to understand how these methodologies work. If we are ignorant as to how they work, we really don't have any power over them. We will continue to be a victim of these methodologies if we don't fully understand how they work and how they are present in our environments. So Neo will be coming on in two weeks' time to discuss healing techniques. Remember, this show is about shining the light on the darkness and proposing solutions understanding that there is something that we can do about it, understanding that we are ultimately the ones who are in control. It is us who is creating this mess that we're in, and therefore that's good news because it's up to us. We need to turn the finger and point right back at ourselves and understand that it's ultimately, ultimately about changing our own mind and changing our own lives, and then the external reality that we are living in will change. And it's also about reaching out to other people and bringing this information to them. Understanding it yourself and just changing your life is the first step 
That's the first and most important step. But then you have to reach out with information to others. You have to understand it so well that you can put it in the right words to help others to understand it. Now, the whole saying, if the truth can be told as to be understood, it will be recognized, it will be believed. That is absolutely true. Communication is the biggest part of this. It is ultimately the great work that we seek to accomplish, reaching out to others. So Neo is going to be coming on in two weeks to discuss healing techniques specifically for trauma-based mind control. In three weeks' time, September 28th, I will be having on this show James Yeager. This is the documentary filmmaker that made the great documentaries Fiat Empire and Original Intent. And if you have not seen either one of these incredible documentaries, I cannot recommend either one of them highly enough. Fiat Empire. This is a documentary about the Federal Reserve System. We will be getting into this in depth. We will be talking about the Federal Reserve. This will be part of the discussion of the mind control technique of money and the financial system, the immoral fiat currency system that has been erected in this country and just about every other. And James Yeager is one of the foremost experts and and highly, highly knowledgeable about, about how the Federal Reserve is run, how it was created. So we will be talking about this on the show. I'll actually be introducing this topic in two weeks' time, and then I'll be bringing... I'm sorry, I'll actually be introducing this topic next week, I should say. Next week, we will be beginning our discussion about the financial system, the monetary system that keeps so many people under its thumb and bowing to its wishes and demands. Uh, It is probably one of the strongest, I would say it is up there among the strongest techniques, right up there with religion and worldview poisoning as methods of mind control. Um, so the financial system we will discuss next week. Neo on the show on September 21st, and then James Yeager coming on September 28th to discuss the Federal Reserve System. So that's some good announcements about what's coming on this show. Tonight, again, we will be continuing our discussion of controlled opposition when it comes to the New Age movement and the refusal to look at the negative aspect of what is going on in the world. That's what we're going to start getting into right now. So the techniques of mind control, as we mentioned, are multifaceted. There are many of them. They work on many different levels. This isn't to say that the 14 that I have listed in this show are not the only ones that exist but they are the most widely used. They are the favorites of the dominators. They are the favorites of the controllers, of the manipulators, of the sorcerers of this world. We started talking about six of them so far. I won't review each one of them tonight. You can go back into the podcast section on my page at whatonearthishappening.com. Go to that site and click the podcast tab, and all of these podcasts that have discussed these shows are listed there with the, with the uh, 
topics listed right there on the page with a- appropriate images, with related images to each one of these concepts as it is discussed on this show. Some of these are from my slide presentation that I uh, have embedded on my site on the video tab. So we have already discussed obfuscation, which is essentially the injecting of confusion into the world through ideas that cloud concepts, that cloud issues, that help make people very bewildered and confused about what the truth is and also about how simple the truth actually is. We talked about how one of the best ways of creating obfuscation is through obscuring the the simplicity of the truth with the complexity of the lie. You always have to make things seem more complex than they actually are. This way people don't want to pursue the matter, don't want to look into it because they think it is beyond their comprehension and ability to understand. So obfuscation was the first technique. The second, and one of the most powerful, is worldview poisoning. Poisoning someone's belief of what human nature actually is, poisoning their understanding of what the value of the individual is, and poisoning their view of what is possible, the potential of what is possible, particularly when it comes to being able to inspire change. And once these aspects of how we think and interact are poisoned to a certain degree, dominators have people very much under their control and their action, their ability to take action is very much diminished. So worldview poisoning, the second of these techniques. The third technique was the exploitation of our subconscious primal fears. These we explored in depth. They were the fear of darkness, the fear of predators being preyed upon, the fear of abandonment, particularly by the father figure, the strong father figure, and the fear of the breaking out of chaos and how these are all entwined into our subconscious makeup at a very fundamentally deep level and how these fears essentially often control us without us even being consciously aware of them. A few weeks ago, we looked into the fourth technique. This was the divide and conquer strategy, the exploitation of our perceived differences and all the ways that people see themselves in an us versus them dualistic fashion. Sex, age, uh, social class, race, religion, politics, um, ethnicity and nationality, etc., all illusions. We also saw the indoctrination system, and we explored over two weeks the outcome-based, Soviet-inspired, and also Nazi-inspired public school education system based upon outcome-based education that we have operating in this country and in many other countries throughout the world that is geared toward locking people into a left-brain-only modality of consciousness and thereby, and thereby shutting down their intuitive, creative, nurturing, and expansive 
side of their consciousness which can see the big picture and one's relationship to it. Last week, we started looking into controlled opposition or a dialectic approach to control. Dialectics, we saw, were debates that are intended to resolve differences between two views rather than to establish one of them as true. This is creating opposition between two seemingly polar forces when, in fact, they are both being used to create strength through this oppositional paradigm for a third controlling party that sits above both of these seemingly opposing forces. We saw how politics is one of the best examples of the controlled oppositional paradigm. Also media, also religion. You can get into many different dialectical approaches and explore them all. We basically looked at politics last week and how these are two sides of the same coin. They're two wings of the same bird, if you will. It doesn't matter what side of politics you get involved in, Republican, Democrat, conservative, Republican, conservative, liberal, etc., all irrelevant, all controlled by the same forces at the highest levels that are the mind manipulators that want you to keep thinking that this road that you can go down is eventually going to lead someplace different when in fact it always leads to the same place because the people involved at the level of politics are just puppets, puppets, on strings of their masters, largely in the financial system, but they're also in the occult system, as we will see in in, in a few weeks, in several weeks. But we will see how this system plays into the financial and banking systems, and we'll start looking into that next week. And again, James Yeager of Fiat Empire fame will be on the show on September 28th just like to mention, James also made the documentary Original Intent. And for those who have not seen this, this is relatively new. I think he came out with this last year. You have to see this documentary, folks. It is brilliant. It is one of the best documentaries that I have ever seen, period, of any kind. It is a gem. It is a beacon of light. I can't recommend it enough. Original Intent by James Yeager. It is about how drastically off-base this country is headed from the vision of the founding fathers that laid the the groundwork, the framework for this country, uh, and the two main forces, and they are also controlled oppositional forces that play off against each other and are essentially working for the same purpose, which is 100% total centralization of power and control. And these forces are cultural Marxism and corporate fascism. People think that fascism and socialism or Marxism are completely two opposite ends of the political spectrum. Well, you know what? They may be, but the wings of the bird join when the bird brings his wings together on the other side. Okay? It is the same force. It is the same general consciousness of control that controls both of these two seemingly polar forces in our society. Leftists often think it's only about corporatism and corporate control gone haywire. People on the right think it's only about social, cultural values that are taking over. It's both of these things. 
they're directed by the same force. You bring two forces together, they form the royal arch. And that's the strongest architectural structure you will find. That's why controlled opposition is such a strong form of mind control. People only often see one side of the issue. They don't see how there is a secondary polar force that this is being played off against by the puppet masters of the world. All for the same agenda. All for the same outcome. It's all about thesis meeting antithesis to create the third position, the synthesis the synthetic solution that they are looking to implement. Problem, reaction, solution, as the researcher David Icke refers to it. I call it chaos, confusion, opportunity, or chaos, sorcery. Playing on someone's primal fears, implementing something that is creating a chaotic result and therefore a confused reaction. And that is your opportunity to step in with your predetermined solution that you have lying in the wait the whole time. Controlled opposition makes this possible. Tonight we're going to be talking about the New Age movement in relation to the controlled opposition paradigm. And before I get into this, I'd just like to say one more thing. Um, callers who call in, I forgot to mention this, please do hold on. I, I, I definitely want to hear what you have to say. I do like it when callers call in, even in the first hour. I don't just take calls in the second hour. If you call in, please be patient. If I'm in mid-stride in a thought or a concept, I may not see you on the switchboard right away. I had noticed that there was someone on there. I didn't get to them right away, and they hung up. So uh, I ask callers, please be patient with me. Uh, I will get to your calls. So when you call in, I know you have something that you'd like to get out there on the air and something important that you have to say. Please be patient and hold on the line, and I will get to your call, okay? Great. So the controlled opposition paradigm, playing two seemingly opposing forces off against each other so that you control the outcome. How does the New Age movement fit into this? And what is the New Age movement? Well, this movement was popularized out of the 60s and 70s. There are hundreds of different topics, hundreds of different teachers, hundreds of thousands and thousands of different books that espouse these ideologies. And you know what? The first thing I'll say is in the New Age movement and New Age teachings, there are a lot of powerful truths. I cannot deny that, and I would not suggest that no one look into anything about this because there are some really, there are some really great material within this movement. The thing that you have to be aware of is that you have to be discerning. You have to know what to take from it and what to leave because a technique of manipulation is to infuse truth with the lie, with the deception. A deceiver often knows that one who they are attempting to deceive or to throw off the path, shall we say, will not take the poison if it's just poison. 
they have to put a little bit of something that is good, something that is true, something that is recognized as being needed in with the poison. Okay, this is a technique that is used for pest control. Pests won't take just the poison most times. It has to be made palatable. You have to give the pest that you're trying to get rid of or exterminate a little bit of something that they perceive as good for them or palatable. And in doing so, they take the poison with it. This is how this technique works. And this is what applies to the New Age movement. There's a, there's a lot of good things in it. You know, a lot of good techniques, things that we should be practicing, things that we should be heeding in our lives and understanding. But there is this deep underlying current that is nested underneath not all, but a lot of these teachings and a lot of these so-called spiritual teachers and gurus' agendas. And the main thing, the, the, the biggest aspect of this controlled opposition technique is infusing the idea, interjecting the notion that one should not look upon the negative. That the very act of looking upon the negative empowers the negative and gives it energy over you. And I'm here to tell you tonight that if you have bought this idea, you're under mind control. If you have bought this idea, you have taken the poison pill because it sounds like something that's good or reasonable. And it sounds to you like, oh, I can become fully enlightened. I can really be a force of good in the world and not have to look at all the negative, uncomfortable stuff that's out there in the world that is happening. I don't have to understand it. I don't have to understand how evil certain people are in the world. I don't have to understand how these evil people's methodologies work. I don't have to look at any of that negativity. I can always stay in my comfort zone of thinking that the world is basically a good place where these things aren't really happening. And people want that. They want to think that that's the reality and that they are going to be having an incredible impact without looking at the dark side, without understanding the workings of the dark side. This is a very appealing notion. That's, how, that's why this is so insidious. I've often said that the New Age movement is more dangerous than religion in many cases. And it is. Because so many individuals within this movement have bought this nonsense that looking at the negative empowers the negative. Nothing could be further from the truth. Now, dwelling upon the negative constantly, never offering a solutions-based approach, 
getting trapped in hateful energies because you are continuously dwelling in the negative side, that's dangerous and shouldn't be practiced. But understanding the negative by looking into it deeply enough that you have a firm foundation from which to work from about the technology that is being employed here, the psychological technologies, the methods that these manipulators are using against the general populace, there's nothing negative about doing that. That is empowering. That is looking into yourself. Because all of us at one time or another, and indeed many of us still are affected by these techniques, all of us have been affected at some point in our life, and many of us are still under these negative influences. And we can only really be placed under and held under these negative influences if we are exhibiting the kind of negativity within our own consciousness. If we are employing, living by these negative kinds of, of modes of consciousness, okay? This is the way that these techniques have an effect upon us. If we change our consciousness, we can actually rise above these techniques. But I think in order to change our consciousness, we have to understand how these methods work. We have to look at them with an objective mind, with an open mind. Understand that these are forces that are out there working in the world. And we have to come to a level of comfort within ourselves to be able to look at them fearlessly. This is about working upon the self to look at the negative. Dwelling on it? No, I don't recommend that. Knowing that it is there and a lot, knowing a lot about how it is there, not just a little bit, understanding it in fullness, really knowing how the techniques of mind manipulation work. That involves a lot of looking at the negative, and there's a lot of it out there. I, I, again, we're going on for weeks into this exploration. We looked at how consciousness works for weeks before we started getting into the topic of mind control, and this is going to take up a very big portion of this radio show, looking into these techniques. This will be an ongoing exploration here on what on earth is happening. Because the understanding of how these control methods work is one of the keys to liberating oneself from them. The New Age movement in general wants to teach people, or large, not all of it, again, and this is a case where I'm not making a blanket statement, okay? There are those within this movement that are powerful teachers and will look at things as they really are. Okay, so I am not saying 100% in this instance. There are some extremely powerful tools out there in New Age books, lecturers, teachers, healers. This should be explored. Discernment is what I'm calling for. I am saying we have to watch for the injection of the idea do not look at the negative. 
This is not how the law of attraction works, folks. That is a complete fallacy. You want to understand how the law of attraction works? If there is a fire, you take heed of someone explaining to you that there is a fire in your vicinity and you better be careful. Otherwise, you ignore that information, you're probably going to receive, be on the receiving end of damage or worse. Okay? You have to be discerning about who may be streaming fire, but at the same time, you can't just say, there's no such thing as fire, or, oh, if I take someone's word that there's a fire, I'm going to be negatively affected by it. No, it doesn't work that way. Okay? If you take someone at their word, you check into it, maybe verify the yes, okay, we have a problem here, and understand the steps that may be necessary to reverse the problem. You may need to put the fire out with an extinguisher if it's small enough. You may need to call the fire company. You may need to get out of the building because it's out of control and too big to do anything about it at that point. But knowing is part of the necessary action. Knowing about the negative situation is the biggest first step toward understanding the necessary action. Action that is necessary to take to solve the problem. This show is all about action. That's why I begin the show with announcements about upcoming events that are going on in this area and in other locations because knowing is only the first step. I've said before the, the old adage, to know and not to do is not to know. And that's true. That is a true statement. Ultimately, what we know has to be converted and put into right action. And this is one of the big sticking points for me in the New Age movement and in the New Age community. Often this critically important aspect of consciousness is left out of the equation. And that's what this poison pill of don't look at the negative is there to do. That is what it is there to do. Get someone not to look at the negative so that they will not be activated. So that they will not become active in the freedom community. They will not become active in doing something about what is going on in the world regarding the usurpation of our natural law rights. I read these event announcements because these are events hosted by people that are active and that are doing something that can truly transform this place. action that is capable of truly transforming this place. And that's ultimately what this show is about. As I said, this show is all about the causal underlying factors of why people suffer 
why they are inflicted with self-inflicted suffering, with suffering that they created themselves, and they have within their power to change if they look at the causal factors, the root causes that are indwelling, indwelling. And this doesn't mean that you, and here's another new age fallacy. It doesn't mean because you yourself as one single individual, as one monad or unit of consciousness within the all, because you have small flaws within you that you may be working on or that you may be ignoring, okay, whatever happens to be the case, it does not mean that because you may have individual flaws that that is why the world is in such an extreme state of imbalance. Okay? Everybody's internal flaws added up in a quantum level. Quantum, meaning amount, is what has made it that way. Yes, working on yourself will remove that, but it doesn't mean that you have to become some perfected being and then just because you, the one individual, will become some perfected being that the world will radically transform overnight. There will still be people in the world acting in negative ways, believing in, in things that don't exist, under total mind control, even if there are perfected beings. So if, if you happen to believe the, the, the story of the physical Jesus, you know, you can use that as a metaphor. Whether it is a, an actual historical fact or not is irrelevant. A person of that level of consciousness would still be treated in a world that was under the kind of mind control that was going on back then and is now in the same fashion. That person could be perfected and they could show somebody how to act in a particular situation and how to treat others and how to forgive others. But it doesn't mean that other people are going to magically stop acting the way that they're going to act based upon their conditioning and their upbringing and their experience and their environment and their mind control. That's not what it means. This is another New Age fallacy, that it's all about attaining perfection. Well, I don't believe in the notion of perfection. I think the creator of the universe is what perfection is, and we attain to that. We aspire to that, but that doesn't mean, I, I shouldn't say attain, we aspire to that level of perfection, but it doesn't mean we're going to reach that level of perfection in a physical body. If you're in a physical body, you're going to have some flaws. You're never going to deal with every single situation that comes your way in 100% perfect and 100% elevated level of consciousness. This is some kind of impossible notion that the New Age movement also wants to perpetuate and put out there in certain circles. And I would, I would suggest that this is to discourage people from truly working upon themselves. Because once the idea that goes, goes in, that oh, the end result is this kind of a level of next to unreachable perfection, I'm not going to bother with this. I'm not going to bother really trying to work on and improve myself and understand what's really going on in the world. It's way too hard, when in fact the truth is that it's actually simple. I didn't say easy. I said simple to understand what's taking place both within and around us if we view it with an open mind and an open heart. The truth is always simple. There's a lot to it, yes, 
I didn't say it was a little bit either. I said it was simple. It is based upon fundamental building blocks that we can receive and we can open our minds to and progress through in a stepwise progression. I'm also not of this new age notion that enlightenment happens all at once and that there are all these shortcuts to enlightenment. I think this is nonsense, and I'm very vocal about that. I think that attaining enlightenment is about working on oneself in a stepwise progression, doing what you can now, and then moving forward and doing what you can do in the future after doing a little bit in the now and continuing that process, knowing where you're at, knowing where you want to go, and knowing how to get there. And it's a journey. This idea of the satori awakening, the sudden awakening, when somebody is a complete, completely in darkness in one minute and then they have some kind of a spiritual flash and they're woken up and they're a, a teacher or guru in the next minute. Wonderful if it happens to you folks, but for the one in billions that it does, I don't think that's really what we should try, be trying to uh, hope happens. I think this is something that is a pipe dream. If you want to believe, okay, yeah, that happens for a few people, but you're, if you're holding out your hopes that that's suddenly going to happen to you and it's not going to require any work and you're going to get there from a shortcut, I think you're very delusional. It's about work. Work. That's what it's about. That's why it's called the great work. It's not called the great play or the great accident Okay, it's not called, uh, you know, the, the, the great um, uh, beneficial moment that happened in one, a one in a million chance. That's not what it's called. It's called the great work, implying that there is effort that needs to be in, infused into yourself to make it happen. Effort is required. There is a requirement for spiritual transformation, for true spiritual transformation and knowledge is the biggest part of that care is the biggest part of that as well these two things go hand in hand the left brain in conjunction with the right brain the male in conjunction with the female the chemical wedding the true synthesis that is required well some systems place all the emphasis on knowledge and not enough on care. And some systems place it all on care and feeling-based techniques and not enough on learning and knowledge. And there is such a thing as knowledge, and it does exist in the world. We could obtain knowledge through experience, and we could obtain knowledge of those who have gone before us that care enough to preserve their knowledge in, through teachings, through many different media. We talked about previously on this show how dangerous the ideology of solipsism is, the, the idea that there is no such thing as knowledge or truth. Listen to early shows in the podcast. Solipsism is discussed in depth. S-O-L-I-P-S-I-S-M, solipsism. Most dangerous ideology there is. And this is also infused in the New Age movement that there's no such thing as objective truth, that you can never really know anything. Nonsense. Utter nonsense. 
There is such a thing as knowledge. Truth does exist. It is our task to align ourselves with it. It is our task to become that. Become knowledgeable. Become truthful. And then you will obtain knowledge and truth. And you will be like those spiritual goals to which you attain. So the New Age movement wants to put us in a position of non-action. Not the whole thing, again, elements within it. Let me be clear about that again. I don't think it is the entire New Age movement. This is about elements within the New Age movement that are part of a controlled opposition paradigm. They know people see part of the problem, but then they want to put their force against this to act as controlled opposition, and in doing so, that will lead a significant number of people off the real path, the real path to become non-activated. See, there, it's, the, this is called the last cul-de-sac before the gold mine. This is a term I brought up last week. But the New Age movement is one of the last ones. It's one of the last cul-de-sacs before the gold mine. Get people meditating endlessly, and you'll, you'll find people going into extreme right-brained imbalance and never wanting to take any real physical action in the world no matter what happens. This is the idea of pushing someone into, if left brain imbalance didn't work, well, we have this other option. Let's, let's push them into right brain imbalance. And excessive meditation will do that to you. So will excessively using psychedelics or any other drug for that matter. You know, I'll, I'll be advocating the positive use of shamanic compounds, okay, entheogenic compounds in later shows on this show. But again, in the proper context, not simply as escapism, joy rides, wanting to try to go into uh, excessive explorations of consciousness and never bring it back down to the ground. The goal is to do the work right here. The phrase, be here now, is about this. It isn't about excessively meditating. It isn't about not actually taking right action in the world. It's about becoming activated, spiritually activated, in the sense to use proper moral action in the world to make change happen. We are the agents for change if we are properly activated. And if we constantly, excessively meditate, if we constantly refuse to engage the negative that is in this world, the injustices that are taking place in this world, to acknowledge that, yes, there are extremely evil people at high positions of power. And yes, that power is illusory because it is based on mind control. But in the physical domain that we live in, it is operating and it is stagnating people's evolutionary development. It is creating enormous suffering that need not be being experienced by people of this world. And it was, it's only going to be change, changed if we know enough about how it works 
care enough to change it and then actually manifest that by acting in the proper ways to change it. These three things have to go hand in hand. Again, this is all about unity consciousness, unifying the three aspects of our consciousness, thought, emotion, and action. And that is unified through knowledge and most of all, knowledge of self. Knowledge of self brings about the second aspect. Our emotional qualities have to be raised to true care. And only then are we really emitting the consciousness of love. But it doesn't end there. Then the person has to act in the world. It isn't just about what we know and how much we care. Those are two critically important things upon which proper action is based upon. But then it has to be put into manifestation. And the biggest part of that is teaching others this knowledge about how these techniques work, these negative techniques. And it's also about teaching them positive techniques, positive vehicles for change, for creating higher levels of consciousness. In the physical world, you want to talk about other dimensions, great. That's a great conceptual discussion that you can have and explore. But unless you're talking about actual things that can be implemented and manifested in the physical world, you're not really helping positive change to be implemented right here and right now. All of those things are wonderful areas of exploration, but... In case people haven't noticed, we have some problems here on the ground. We have some problems here on the earth. And there's so many people who are in these escapist modes of thought. And the New Age movement, to a, a, a very significant extent, encourages this escapism. So you've got to be careful who you're listening to. You've got to be careful whose advice you're taking. And that includes mine. Don't listen just blindly to anything I have to tell you. Explore it all. Look into it. See if you think these are words of wisdom. And if they are, act upon them. If they're not, go listen to someone else. Your own judgment and discernment has to be employed. Your own judgment and discernment has to be employed. You have to keep that in mind. So... The New Age movement, the last cul-de-sac before the gold mine, refusing to look at the negative. This is a subtle technique. Not everyone sees how this technique works. They are very misled by their emotional desires. A lot of people don't want the world to be as negative as it is, and they think they can ignore that. They think they can attain to a high level of, of understanding and enlightenment without knowing about the negative side. And I'm sorry to tell you, this is not true. It is not true. It is not true. We have to look at the negative. We have to explore our shadow selves and understand the workings that are out there by the dark controllers that are currently in charge. That's the reality of the situation. They are in charge because we have given our power of thought 
and creation over to these people by taking their illusions in return for our compliance. Taking their illusions, money, power, fame, wealth, etc., in return for our compliance with their system. And that's the truth. That's not negative. Looking at the truth empowers someone to change it. You don't say, oh, that happens to be negative, so I, don't want, to, I want to ignore it. That's the best way to ensure that you're going to get burned up in the fire, folks. Best way to ensure you're getting burned up in that fire is ignore it. And good luck. If that's, if that's your path, best of luck to you. Because you're the person on the beach that when the tide starts to recede by hundreds of yards and you're standing out on the beach going, wow, would you look at that? Hmm. I better not think that that is the indicator of something that may be negative because I'll be empowering it. Good luck with that, folks, if that's your attitude. Enjoy. What's coming? We have a caller from California. I think you may be one of the first callers from the West Coast, so here we go. Callers will take precedence. Uh, sorry if you've been holding for a while. I just uh, glanced at the switchboard. I was on a roll there. Caller from California, you are on. What on earth is happening? What do you have for us this evening? Hi, Mark. It's Kevin Tilsner, actually. Kevin, I don't know why I'm saying I'm routed through. I'm, a, I, I'm routed through California. I can only assume because of the Gmail I'm using in order to call. Not you. a problem. Not a problem. Gotcha. Um, I wanted to remind people about the allegories that you have spoken of before, and I specifically came up with one recently that I would like to share, if you don't mind. Absolutely, go right ahead, Kevin. Um. This whole NWO thing, I, uh, New World Order stuff, I, I, I have recently called it um, like I, I made an, an, an allegory of it of like the NWO uh, Oedipal Complex. Okay. Where um, essentially humanity is Oedipus and is told inevitably that we must kill our father, hence the government religion, anything that's controlling of that patriarchal dominator nonsense, and eventually, finally, then live in harmony with nature or, quote-unquote, marry our mother as to continue the, the allegory. Right. And this is the, the general direction I see us as, as inevitably going just because of we don't much have any choice in the world at this point that we've kind of polluted things so bad that we kind of have to take a new direction. Absolutely. I think that's a very interesting and appropriate allegory. And I think that, uh, that does tell the tale. It does tell the tale of what's going on in the world. I just saw a movie today called Canada. It was released in 2009. I'm sorry, Kev, you broke very up there much like, Kev, you broke up there there's a movie. Can you still hear me now? Yeah, that's better. Great. There was a movie called Chimatica. Chimatica, I'm familiar with it. Yes, I'm familiar with it. 
I am familiar with... It pretty much says a lot of this. I'm sorry, I'm breaking up again here. No problem, go right ahead. Hello? Okay. Um, It pretty much seemed to me very much like uh, they blended Michael Tessarian's work with those of the Celestine property books. That was my general impression. Anyone that knows what both of those... Uh, people's works are both Tessarians as well as the, the the other novels I mentioned. Will I, I think already know a lot of what's going on in the movie Chimatica? That's just my opinion. I have seen Chimatica. I think it is a phenomenal documentary film. Uh, I encourage people to check it out. I think the uh, creator of this uh, one did a great job in what he put together. And um, uh, I, I've actually sent this out through. Uh, I do like kind he of also, like file mailings. I do like file mailings of yeah. people on my mailing list, and I, it's one of the films I've sent out because I thought it was so good. I, I, I definitely encourage people to check out Chimatica. It's spelled K-Y-M-A-T-I-C-A, Chimatica. And in the movie, they actually also do speak about a lot of the uh, discernment issues that you're speaking of well in the whole um, New Age movement and so on and so forth, and people's desire to find this ecstasy that exists in the universe through some right. sort of primal energy. And I'm not saying that that sort of thing may not exist through some sort of Kundalini type of thing. I don't know enough about it to say, but to be honest with you, it does seem like the law of attraction, uh, while it's not really a good idea to go and just extend yourself and, and dwell too much on something negative to completely ignore it clearly is something that like you just stated it's like sitting in a living room with a fire in your kitchen and not bothering to put it out exactly exactly and that is why this technique is so subtle and why it is so effective because they are playing upon someone's desire for that kind of bliss that spiritual bliss in their lot in their lives and and i am not saying that you should not carry that feeling within you, that, that should be carried within the individual, if at all possible, a powerful, positive, good feeling and, and positive intention, because that is a, a critical component. Yes, that is a critical component of actually manifesting something in the physical domain. That's one of the biggest parts of the law of attraction is the, the positive emotional quality, which your intention must be uh, infused with. However, when it is used as a vehicle of escapism, and when the person doesn't say, okay, I may be aware that these levels of ecstasy and bliss may exist, but there is suffering happening around me. See, this is like the, the, the even higher manifestation of what is called the Bodhi mind in Buddhism. Okay. Yes, it's there's the whole Bodhisattva story where this guy yes. like gets to the he gets to the key ha, has the key to heaven in the door lock and 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 then all of a sudden it's just like oh crap it's not going to be the same the whole party of Nirvana is just not going to be the same without everybody else and so he then others. reincarnates and then does and and, and to, goes to speak with others and helps them exactly. in the same fashion. Uh, others are still in suffering. Others are still in illusion. Do the work here on the ground. Understand that these levels of bliss may exist. Carry that with you in your work, but do the work here on the ground. Don't float off in some kind of a right-brained imbalanced spiritual haze and fog because 
you're not when reality smacks you, you're going to feel it hard. <laughs> right, right. I, I really like um, Dick Sutton. I've mentioned his work on this show uh, previously. And for those who aren't familiar with Dick Sutton, he has a podcast called Dick, Dick Sutton's Metaphysical World, and it's a good podcast. But I, I like him as a teacher, and I don't consider him too new agey because he talks about this aspect. He talks about we cannot ignore the negative. We, we, we can't float off and drift off in some kind of a spiritual daze. He tells a little anecdote about his friend who was excessively meditating, couldn't concentrate on his work, went to see a doctor. The doctor told him, you're high. Your brainwave scans like you're high, like you've been smoking marijuana all day long. And this guy was doing no substances. He was simply meditating excessively. And it was like he was so out there on meditation, it acted like a drug, and he couldn't actually operate in the physical world. That's how excessively he was meditating and how out of it this made him. I will talk about meditation techniques when we get to uh, more specific solutions on this show. And I, I've practiced transcendental meditation, and I'm, I, I feel that I'm quite good at being able to slow thoughts, to, to, to uh, quell thoughts, and to just bathe in an ocean of pure consciousness for a time. But I don't do it excessively. Uh, ten, five, ten minutes a day is that. And, and, it, it, and it, it focuses me enough to get things done that I need to get done, in a, a recentering or a reorientation of yourself, yes. I totally yeah. understand. Yes. And that can be powerful for the brain. Powerful. But once you get off on, into this tangent of doing it excessively, it can become just as damaging to the brain as any drug. So again, discernment is required. Understanding of this tool. This isn't the end. This is a tool to get toward the end. Okay? The tool cannot be abused because it's just a tool, just like psychedelics may, may be a tool for some. Okay? If they're abused, meaning used in the incorrect way, in the wrong way, they're not going to get you to where you want to go. They're go it's going to be another trap. And the but small doses, they've recently even discovered that psilocybin have actually been helping people get off of both drugs uh, of, of like heroin nature as well as alcoholism. Absolutely, if they're used in the proper context. Correct. 100%, I 100% agree with that. I think more study should be done of psychedelics. I think we should be uh, uh, learning more about them constantly. I think that uh, you know, uh, re research, whole research community should be doing work with these powerful uh, tools is what they are. Like a hammer, a tool can be used for the wrong purpose. Somebody can use it to build a home or a shelter for the homeless, and somebody can use it to murder. It's the same thing. It's just a tool. The consciousness that wields the tool determines the result of what the tool produces. Kev, I want to thank you so much for calling in. Uh, it's an honor to speak with, with you. Always, always great to hear from you, and uh, feel free to call in at any other time. Thanks so much, man. Have, Have a good one. one. You too. You take care. Good night. All right, Kevin from Philadelphia. Always uh, good to hear from Kev. And uh, we're into the second hour now. That call took us past the, the uh, second hour turnover. So let me give the call-in number again for anyone else that wants to call in and discuss 
mind control? Anyone that wants to discuss the controlled opposition paradigm, the New Age movement, this idea of the cul-de-sac before the gold mine, as we've been talking about, how this is a subtle technique to take people off of the path if discernment is not used. So the call-in number for this show is 724-444-7444. Once again, the call-in number, 724-444-7444. When you call in, first and foremost, please be patient. I will get to your call. Secondly, you have to punch in the call ID number for this show. The call ID number is 83515. The call ID, 83515. All right. So, we looked at how the New Age movement, in some instances, will take people off the path by asking them to ignore the negative. So as we have talked about before on this show, the philosopher Vernon Howard, he said that um, we, we must look at the negative. You know, the human species is so sick, it's in such a severe state of sickness that few can bear to look at it. But those who do look at it will become well. Vernon Howard, the philosopher, made that statement. If we look at the ailment, we can come to a proper understanding of what has made it this way, and we can understand the way out of that condition. And this is all about knowing the self. It's all about not running from the shadow, working through the shadow, work with and through it. The way out is through that's another phrase I strongly believe in. There is no escape from this condition. The way out is not under, it's not around, it's not over, it's through. And ultimately that means through the self. As we talked about in uh, the mystery tradition teachings, like uh, the inscription upon the oracle of, of Delphi in Greece, Know thyself, and you will know the universe. That's ultimately what it is all about. For those who wish to probe the depths of nature, for those who truly wish to understand what it is to be alive, what it is to be human, to understand natural law, if you do not find within that which you seek, you will not find it without. If you ignore your own wonders, the wonders of your own house, meaning of your own mind, of your own psyche, of your own soul, how do you expect to find other wonders within creation? Inside yourself is hidden the treasure of all treasures, and know the self to know the universe and the gods. That's, that's essentially what is inscribed upon the Delphic Oracle. And I couldn't agree more. This is the heart of the mystery. This is about knowledge of self. The reason we're in this mess is because so many of us have lost track with that knowledge of self. So many of us don't believe any such knowledge exists. 
and there is nothing to find because there is no, no knowledge of self. There is no knowledge of anything. There is no knowledge of truth. This is another New Age tactic, injecting solipsism into the equation. Please look up what solipsism is all about, folks. I mean, this is the biggest lie of all. And there's a lot of solipsists out there, believe me. This is a poison ideology, poisonous ideology that has taken root in so many places. Solipsism. S-O-L-I-P-S-I-S-M. Study it. Understand it. Know why it is so dangerous. Know why it is such nonsense. Above all else, it's pure sewage. It is not a philosophy. It's an ideology and a bad one at that. And it's a path toward destruction and ruin. It's ultimately the ideology that underlines all totalitarian regimes, solipsism. It's not the, the ideology that the leaders of those regimes really believe in. It's the one they sell to the people they eventually oppress and kill. They get them to believe in it. They don't believe that nonsense. Leaders of the world, psychopathic leaders seeking centralized power, they know there's such a thing as truth. They know there's such a thing as knowledge. And they're trying to keep it from people. If they're trying to keep people's minds in the rat maze, in the hamster wheel of looking at anything else except exploring the psyche and particularly the negative aspects of the psyche to understand why we're creating the mess we're creating. They don't want people looking into deep levels of psychology, particularly when it comes to mystery tradition knowledge. This is the most ancient and deepest psychology that exists. Of course they have occulted this. If it weren't occulted, the world won't be in the situation it is. They have to hide it. The word occult meaning hidden. It has been hidden. It has been occulted. This knowledge. It has been removed from circulation, from general, the general circulation of knowledge. That's why you won't find it in the mainstream media. That's why you won't find it in, on, the new, on the newsstand. You won't find it on the TV. You'll have to go to books and often old books of people who painstakingly took the care to put this into safekeeping for posterity at the risk of their own lives in many cases. In some places, it was an offense punishable by the most grim torture to try to put this knowledge into circulation. We've come a long way since then, but we've got a long way to go still because the techniques of mind control have been refined and now they have tech technology at their disposal to use to embed these mind control techniques deeper into the subconscious, the television being the greatest of them all. So we have to understand that looking at the negative is something that we have to face and we have to face it fearlessly. We can't let this turn us into little children groveling and hiding in the corner because we don't like what we find. We're going to find horrible things about what is and has been taking place because we've been asleep at the switch, folks. We've been asleep at the wheel, and we're real close to the cliff. And opening up our eyes, 
requires us to understand, wow, look at how close to that precipice we are. And until we understand that, that's the only thing that's going to give us the impetus to turn the, the bus around. You know, turn the wheel. It's going to require effort. It's got a lot of momentum heading us in one direction, namely the direction of ruin and destruction. But if we wake up and look at it for what it really is, we can reverse our course. Still, I believe this can be done. I think if we ignore information like this and if we ignore the dark aspects of ourselves, they're eventually going to devour us. The way out is through. It's through the confrontation of the shadow self. Again, uh, Kevin brought up a great allegory, the Oedipus complex allegory. And I do feel that is very appropriate and it is what is occurring. We do need to devour this dark negative father figure so that we can come back into the, the womb of creation, the divine sacred feminine mother that will care for us if we live in harmony with natural law principles. We keep ignoring this stuff and we keep ignoring aspects of ourselves which have created this. We're going to create something very, very unpleasant and very uncomfortable. We're, we're long into that process. But again, that's why I do this show and that's why people who expose the darkness of this world are doing what they do. That is the true work and it is also in, in uh, employing, exploring, and proposing powerful solutions, a solutions-based approach. And part of the solution is understanding what's really going on. Knowledge of what is taking place is part of the solution. It's not the 100% totality of the solution, but it is a critical part of it. So Kevin was bringing up allegories. Uh, I have another allegory to bring up regarding this. Look at the movie Lord of the Rings. Now, I highly suggest this trilogy. I'd say check out the director's cut as well because there's even more in that. The extended edition director's cut. Lord of the Rings is one of the most powerful spiritual allegories out there. The specific component of this story that I want to explain in relation to understanding and working through the negative is the uh, wizard known as Gandalf. Okay? He begins in this allegorical work of fiction as Gandalf the Grey. He's a grey wizard. He has components of the light and the dark within him. White and black mixed together create grey. So he is the grey wizard. That's what this is allegorically suggesting in this movie and book. Of course, read the books. The movies, though, cinematically, just absolutely incredible uh, visions brought to life on the screen. I think a wonderful job was done with this allegorical trilogy. And m most that listen to the show will probably be familiar with it, but if you're not, please do check out Lord of the Rings. Um, Gandalf, the gray wizard, is asked 
by the ring bearer. This is an allegory for one who is working on transforming the world. He is a true world teacher. He is the, the bearer of the great work who has to destroy the negative, who has to ultimately destroy the darkest aspect of the world, the ring of power, by taking it to where it was originally created. This is an allegory about getting down to the very deepest causal factors of evil, the, the causal factors, the root causes of suffering in the world. And the ring bearer must bring that ring to be destroyed in the fires which ultimately created it. And that's an allegory for the human psyche. It's an allegory for the mind. This is where our illusion, this is where our dark fantasy that is leading us over a precipice to an abyss was created. It is created in the mind through manipulation techniques. So in the quest, in their quest to bring this ring to where it was created so that they can destroy it, the ring bearer, whose name is Frodo, asks that they come to an impasse, someplace where they physically can't go any further. There's a physical barrier, it's a, a mountain, and there's an incredible storm that is basically burying them. So they cannot continue along the road that they were originally planning to go down. So they've hit this impasse, and they're having a debate about where to go next. And there are suggestions brought up. Well, we can take this road, we can go through this land, or we can go through this one. And when a suggestion to go through the dwarf kingdom known as Moria is made, watch the reaction of the gray wizard. The reaction of the gray wizard is one of horror. He wants to be anywhere but there. He doesn't want to go into that place. He fears Moria, which I think, I believe they spell M-O-R-I-A or M-O-R-I-A-H. Why? Why does he have this reaction? Well, what we find later in the movie is he knows that there's something lurking in Moria, in these ancient mines of the dwarf kingdom in this allegorical fiction that he doesn't want to face. There's, there's an evil there. And what this evil is, is the darkest aspects of himself. These are the darkest aspects of his own subconscious mind. These are all the ways he is a negative influence in the world. These are all the ways he is still under mind control. Hence, he has both the light and the dark within him. Well, they do take the path. He says, allow the ring bearer to decide. So the, the, the ring bearer in the story named Frodo makes the decision, we will go through Moria. And Gandalf is not happy about that, this wizard in this story, but he abides by the decision of the ring bearer. And in Moria, 
he faces this demon. They confront this beast, this demon, called the Balrock. And it's interesting that it's named after Baal. Baal, the god of the dark occult world, named after so many things. Phonetically, the name Baal can be rendered Baal or Baal, Baal, Bell, Bill, or Bull. And when we talk about more about the occult and more about green language, I'll get into each of these representations, these phonetic representations of this God who ultimately represents the sun. And in the instances that the dark occultists use this figure, it represents the dark sun, the black sun, the dark side of knowledge, the dark side of illumination. In other words, knowing and acting without care being involved, without true care being involved. Oh, they have care. Their care is of a dark quality. But I'm talking about true care with the capital C. That they don't possess. True human spirit. To work toward the true great work. To work toward the true will of creation, capital W, which is freedom and attainment to truth. So, going back to the allegory, in this story, Gandalf battles with this demon, the Balrock. And he does this because he knows he has to. He doesn't want to. He doesn't relish it. He wanted to avoid it if he could. But ultimately, when he's finally in Moria, he knows he must do battle with this demon. So you will see in that scene, if you watch the movie, and yeah, okay, this is a little bit of a spoiler for those who maybe haven't seen it, but I'm making a point here. He willingly lets go of the cliff that he's holding on to. He could take one of the other characters' hands and try to be pulled up from the cliff. He could try to he could use magic to try to raise himself up when he's hanging on to the edge of this precipice that's dangling over this great abyss with this demon holding on to his ankle. But he doesn't. He willingly lets go. He willingly allows himself to plunge into the depths of that dark abyss. Willingly. And he willingly does battle with that demon consciousness. And only after doing that battle with that dark force that represents the darkest aspects of his subconscious mind and the darkest aspects of his behavior... Does he emerge in the next movie as Gandalf the White, the White Wizard, the one who has been purified and enlightened? He has obtained 
true enlightenment, true illumination. Through his willingness to do battle with the dark forces that are around him, but most of all within him. Because the word Moria, folks, comes from an ancient Eastern tradition. If you look this up online, you will find the word Moria, M-O-R-I-A. Is, I believe it's an ancient... Um, it's either Chinese or Tibetan word that means the deepest aspects of the subconscious mind. Amazing. Now, did Tolkien know that? That that's what the word Moria means in one of these ancient Eastern traditions? I don't know. Possibly. And he named it that consciously. Or maybe this is an example of synchromysticism. You know, where there's a, a deep spiritual concept in, embedded into a work of art through the creative process without conscious awareness. This is a concept called synchromysticism. Please also look that up. There's brilliant videos and exposés on this topic, and there's some very, very highly conscious people exploring the concepts of synchromysticism. I see we have a caller on the line, so let's go to New York City. Caller from New York City, you are on. What on earth is happening? What do you have for us? Why, Mark, thank you. It's uh, Mike from New York. Hey, Mike, how are you? How are you? Um, I had something I had written. Um, it's about a page. Uh, I was wondering if I, if I could read it really quick. Absolutely. Go right ahead. Okay. <clears throat> thank you. Uh, what is the, the unique factor that binds us all? What is the driving force that we all have on some primary level? Every day I wake up and I want to curse myself. I have become the very person I tried to avoid. My own self-induced madness of 15 years plus the external and internal occult influences. For me, the occult was pure and true to its form, fully hidden in my life. I had no clue it existed and it was a part of me. Only deep within my subconscious mind was I only aware. I had let my, uh, myself become who I, who I am because of my lack of conscious and holistic decision-making. <clears throat> Only now can I start to look at the person I ran from long ago and want to ask him, who is he? What does he want to do now that I've uh, fully tuned into some, somewhat of his existence? Naturally, he's pissed off at me because I avoided starved, shamed, beaten, lied, abused, abandoned, and you know, raped him. Only he's me. But I know he comes from a place of love. After that love is realized by the conscious me, true self, capital letters, there can be forgiveness, uh, forgiveness, forgiveness uh, within self-love, all capital. No matter uh, what the rules of the ego tell me to feel and act, I am more than, I, uh, more than it can ever perceive. The ego... Emotions and thoughts are not all that is me or anyone else. Uh, <clears throat> Self-forgiveness is an important uh, beginning part. Usually there's anger. Uh, anger is a byproduct of fear. Fear is the main reason we stay in a negative system, spiral, karma, whatever you want to label it. A good example often widely used is the yin-yang. Uh, it represents 
the uh, dual system of the sacred, feminine, uh, feminine and masculine. All spiritual beings have this uh, to a degree on some level. The holistic balance of the two through the mind, body, and spirit, which is studied and practiced in one's own life, is the, uh, one of the main goals uh, to, a, to a higher conscious level. Uh, some people find a way to reach this uh, place through personal experiences. Some people like to draw, count, write, uh, play, act, speak, mold, craft, cook, design, uh, politics, religion. Uh, some people, you know, and 98% of all these systems are that they are a closed system. Uh, these, these types of systems can only survive off the energy it produces in a ca cannibalistic way. Uh, there's nothing else helping it to feed and grow from, the, from an outside influence. A system that is uh, constantly in fight or flight mode. A balanced system can grow, feed, learn, and adapt with the frequency or energy uh, needed to produce love and infinite life. Uh, only this path can, uh, uh, can one hope to achieve uh, a true nirvana-like state to help, help bring the soul consciousness to operate at a uh, higher level and sustain it. By doing this, uh, it is possible uh, for one to uh, produce meaningful change in others and, uh, and bring the total frequency of the planet to a higher level. Uh, you know, like that would almost be like a Christ-like figure. There's multiple occurrences of uh, beings that, that may or may not have existed on this planet uh, due to a lack of uh, good information and uh, whole truth. Um, uh, once a desire erupts inside, uh, that will eat you alive until you can satisfy it. Then, with a true desire, the hero's journey has already begun. Along the way, if you, do, if you don't stop the basic needs, gain knowledge, learn to trust, defend, and protect with love for all the, uh, what is true and morally just, you will never find true meaning through completing any of the parts of your life or this journey, uh, whether, you, whether they are difficult or not. Uh, you will never be able to move on. You will be trapped in your own loop and fear and anger, a loop of fear and anger. Forgiveness is an understanding through power and love and unity from within one is essential for a planetary system of beings to have a positive experience and able to grow and thrive. Uh, thank you. That was really awesome, Mike. I want to thank you for that. I, I think that you really wrote that from a place of being inspired by the divine consciousness. And uh, um, I, I think that was just brilliant. I mean, that's what it's really ultimately about right there. You know, that's about what we need to understand to become activated. And activated means taking right knowledge, uh, right right action in the world through what we have come to understand. So I want to thank you for that. And uh, if, you, if you'd like to email that to me, um, you know, you could shoot that over to me in an email and uh, I'll post it in the podcast section with this show. Thank you so much, brilliant. Mark. Have a great day. Brilliant, brilliant. You know, Thanks I, I, so thank much. Thank you for letting me do that. You know, that was really, you know, I was a little nervous. But, uh, you, you know, got thanks it. for letting me do that. Have a great night. Anytime, thank you for anytime, everyone else Mike. listening. Thank you. Great. Anytime, Mike, feel free to call back at, at any time. Uh, again, I have said it before. Uh, this show gets the best callers uh, and people who really, I think, hit the nail on the head and who understand what's really taking place. 
And um, we need more people like that, and we need more people that are seeing the whole picture, are seeing what's going on. They're seeing it from both sides, the negative. They have a firm grasp on that, and they know what they need to do to really become an agent for change in the world. And that is having a grip on this to an extent that you can explain it to others, that you could be an influence upon others. Um, you know, the, there's this old adage that knowledge is power. And I have said before on this show that is not true either. Wisdom is power. Knowledge is only a means. The true power comes in what you do with it. True power comes through what you do with knowledge. How can you affect change in the world through that which you know? This is why on the tree of life in the tradition known as Kabbalah, which means to receive, at the top of the two paths where our goal, we are aspiring to ascend from the bottom of these emanations as they are symbolically represented in the tradition of Kabbalah. This is known as Malkut. Malkut represents the physical world and, and more than that, identification with it, the material. To aspire toward the very top of that tree the Ancient of Days, Keter, K-E-T-E-R. This is higher level cosmic consciousness, unity consciousness, the synthesis, a positive synthesis, not one used as a vehicle for control between the two paths. And the reason it is the highest level of this tree of life the tree of the emanations called the sephirot is because it is unifying the top of the left hand path of severity which is understanding binah it's called in Hebrew binah is understanding this is the internal quality. That's why it's on the left path or the feminine path. This would rep be represented by the pillar of Boaz in Freemasonry. They, they are identical in what they represent. Knowledge is internal. It's what we carry within. The idea is to take that and move over to the path of mercy or the pillar of Jaquin in Freemasonry, again, exactly identical in their symbology, in what they are conveying, if one truly understands how to read the symbolism, and convert what we know, or what we carry within, into practical positive action in the world. And that is the sephirot known as chokmah, wisdom. Wisdom is properly applying and acting upon that which you know. Knowledge is not power in and of itself, but wisdom is power. 
what we do with what we know. And that is the part that needs to be really motivated because the New Age movement leaves this largely out. Not totally, again, um, no blanket statements here when it comes to this topic. But largely this is left out in New Age movement circles. Positive action in the world cannot be ignored. We do need to do something. The do cannot be left out of the equation. It is the middle or the uniting force of be, do, have. Do is a required component of that equation. Be comes first. But do is the unifying or the synthesis that must be obtained. We have to unite our consciousness in thoughts, emotions, and actions to become truly non-dual, to become truly one with ourselves. And only through Hokmah, the, the second sephirot on the tree of life, putting this in a Kabbalistic bent, okay, do we reach the highest level of illumination, Keter. That is the way toward the divine, through our actions. The, the whole adage, you will know someone by their actions. You will know them by what they do. That is ultimately what defines who we are within. What we display to others in the world of manifestation through our actions. I'd like to just read a very short section from the Emerald Tablets of Thoth. This is a hermetic text that talks about what true wisdom is about. That talks about the emphasis of action in wisdom, the emphasis of not ignoring the negative. It also emphasizes that we can't be silent when truths are being substituted for deceptions and, and evil is being spoken in place of truth. Deception and confusion is being put out there in place of truth. The worst thing that can be done is to remain silent. This is an a alleged 20,000-year-old text that is from the antediluvian age, meaning pre-flood, pre-deluge, or cataclysm. And this keeper of the mystery traditions in Kem, the land of the black, which is what we call Egypt today. This is a work of Kemetology, the study of the mystery traditions of the land known as Kem. This is a revered work in Hermetic teachings. 
attributed to Thoth, keeper of wisdom, scribe of the gods. Thoth says that wisdom is power, and power is wisdom. One with each other, perfecting the whole. Be not proud, O man, in thy wisdom. Discourse with the ignorant as well as with the wise. I'll read that again, because some people don't practice this in occult circles and think that wisdom is for them and it's reserved only for them and never try to teach higher level concepts to anybody because they say you're casting pearls before swine. And this is the downfall of people who have attained some knowledge but haven't really converted it into wisdom. And I would suggest that's a big portion of people in the New Age movement. Not all. Again, do not let it be said that I made blanket statements on this particular podcast. I have made them before, and I think that in some places they are justified. This is one where I am not making a blanket statement. I want to re-emphasize that. I'll use the word most in this case, but not all. Okay? There are some people within this movement that have their act together and understand what's really going on in the world. It's a, it's a relative few in comparison to how big this movement is as a whole. Okay? But I want to read this again to emphasize what's being said here. Be not proud, O man, in thy wisdom. Discourse with the ignorant as well as with the wise. If one comes to you full of knowledge, listen and heed, for wisdom is all. Keep not silent when evil is spoken for truth. For like the sunlight, truth shines above all. He who oversteps law, capital L, not man's law, natural law, shall be held accountable. For only through law comes true freedom. Cause not fear in others, for fear is bondage. A fetter that binds darkness to man. And that, that's all I will read from, from there because, quite frankly, that's all that's necessary. That is enormously powerful. Enormously powerful. And I think it makes the points very clearly and very concisely of what I've been trying to explain today about this secondary aspect of controlled opposition. Never, ever stay silent when evil, when deception is being spoken in your midst. 
Tell what you understand. Put it out there as a seed of truth. If someone else out there has eyes to see and ears to hear, it will sprout. Keep not silent when evil is spoken for truth. For like the sunlight, truth shines above all. If those aren't words of wisdom, then I don't know what are. And then he briefly goes into what natural law is about and how this is breaking natural law is the fundamental causal factor of our bondage. These are works of true wisdom for those with the eyes to see and the ears to hear. They won't be for everyone. But again, I would not discourage people from continuing to speak that truth into the universe. The universe is spoken into existence. Another powerful you know, truth in a simple phrase that is easy to understand. We speak the universe into creation. The vibration that we put out is what we receive in, in return, and that is done through our thoughts, our emotions, and our actions. And our words are a big part of that as the expression of our thoughts and emotions. And speaking is action. It is taking action in the world. You are actually doing something when you speak. And ultimately, I think the highest action you can attain to is helping people to understand these truths. Helping people to understand how we are creating our reality and why it is currently essentially negative. It's negative because we don't understand how we are creating it. Once we do, and we understand the forces that are at work in the world, and we confront those, and we confront the forces that are at work within ourselves, no matter how dark they are, then we're going to see a powerful transformation in consciousness take place, but not a moment before. Not a moment before. just absolutely amazing how much knowledge, how much wisdom can be put into so little words. The, the ancients didn't mince words. They, they talk about, you know, be conservative with your words. You know, extravagance in speaking is a sign that, you know, you're trying to make it into something other than what it is and making it more than it is. Truth is always simple. If we can put it into language that is easy to understand, it will be readily received. And that's what this is all about. Helping people to receive the light of wisdom. Becoming activated in a world of darkness. And being a light that helps to illuminate the path. Other people did it before us. And we're way showers now, if we truly understand this. But we have to practice discernment. Discernment is about what sources are you going to listen to? Is there true wisdom in what is being put out there by this particular source that you happen to be listening to? Well, if so, take it and move forward with it. If not, let it go. 
We have to understand that the negative is part of us. We're not separate from it. We have to embrace it and work through it. Only then can we become purified and let go of all the, the things that are creating all the negative influences in our lives, in our state of unconsciousness. And ultimately, it's about taking action. These are things that I feel are sadly missing from the New Age movement, and I'd like to see more teachers pick up upon them in these movements and put them out there for the consideration of others. Because it is not true that simply understanding the negative empowers it. That is not true. It is not true that action is not required to change what we are experiencing in the world. It is. It is. Action is required. And the, the, I, I feel that the best way we can be active in the world is understanding that which we are, knowing the self, not being afraid to confront the negative, and then taking that information to others that need to see and hear it. And in doing that, we are bringing the causal factors of what's creating our negative experience, but it's also bringing the key to unlocking those and turning them into powerful in turning this into a powerful, positive reality. That which we would like to see manifest. That which we would like to exist within and live in and grow and learn in. So I think that, again, I, I want to say again, thanks for the callers. Uh, always brilliant. I have the best callers of any show on the air, period. That That's just, that's it. I mean, that's just, Totally true. The people that call into this show are the best callers anywhere on any radio show I've ever listened to. And that's saying a lot because I listen to a lot of online radio. So um, thank you and keep it up. Um, check out the Revolution Broadcasting Marathon on 9-11 Truth, which will be looking at the negative for sure and exposing what went on on that day and trying to get further to the truth of that horrid series of events. That'll be right here on Revolution Broadcasting this Saturday, all day. And I would say keep exploring inner space. There are treasures to be found there that are beyond anything that we could possibly feel or see or find in the physical. That's what it is ultimately about. Know thyself and you'll know the universe and the gods and only in understanding that truth of that which is within us will we transform the world for the better. I'm going to wrap it up there. I'll be putting some imagery to go along with this podcast up on the show. You can check that out in the podcast section of my website. Check out my site at www.whatonearthishappening.com. The network is revolutionbroadcasting.com. Also check out the conference website for the conference I'm co-hosting next year at www.freeyourmindconference.com. 
And uh, as always, every one of these shows are archived in my podcast page on my website. So that's all for tonight, folks. I thank you all for listening. I'm your host, Mark Passio, and you have been listening to What on Earth is Happening. I'll see you here, same time, next Tuesday evening. Good night, everyone.